Welcome back to Cosmic Brilliance, folks. Today is the most revealing show in our copyrighted miniseries. The revealing of who my guest, Elsa Dillon, her husband Richard, and their children truly are. In other words, incarnated, high-level, historically recognizable beings. Now, I mention often in my shows that many historical key players are incarnated at this time in history for these final chapters of the Earth Experimental Game. As contactee Alex Collier's longtime Andromedan mentors have stated, and I love this, I love this, your jobs are now to create a new domain of knowing. Now, what has been occurring for Elsa, her husband Richard, and their eight children for many, many years is a cosmic, brilliant example of helping to introduce all of us to a new domain of knowing. Now, this domain of knowing includes healing our ancestral lineages across lifetimes and realms in the ever-present now. And Elsa will be talking about this throughout this whole show. So welcome back, Elsa, and thank you so much for your courageous stepping forth and generous sharing of that which you hold most sacred to you, which is the experiences of your family and yourself. Thank you, Marilee. It's, um, it's been a journey, it really has. <laughs> sure has. <laughs> Elsa will be sharing today the details and experiences of her, her husband, and her family as incarnated soul aspects of the famous Egyptian pharaoh. I'm going to let you finish that sentence, Elsa. We only know them as Nef and Akem which is Nefertiti's family and her pharaoh husband. We have been shown over the years, because this has ha been going on for years, decades, to uh, have great responsibility, to uh, accept and allow. That was probably a good few years there, because we were in denial, literally, Denial, which we found very entertaining. You can deny this all you want, but we will continue. So once we found, once they connected, it was like no turning back, which I really resonate with the matrix pill. Once you understood or acknowledged, that was it. That was the, like the, the catalyst point. <laughs> mm. And we, and we literally could not turn back. It would not allow, it would not rest. And if we denied it, it would uh, show up in discomfort or disease physically in our bodies, not just mine, <laughs> the other family members. So we learned very quickly because over the years with the healing practices that we have learned that it's just better to allow address, release, allow, address, release. And as we did this, it would step up. 
and uh, that's I can't explain it. I did for many years say why. <laughs> uh, why does it have to be them? Why can't it be another family? <laughs> why? Why does it have to be that family? Uh, it is what it is. It's one thing to accept it for yourself. But then when the, the family became involved, that was actually a really scary point for uh, me as a mother. It taught me very quickly how to uh, allow the soul's journey. That's beautiful. Beautifully. It, was, it was really scary, very scary, because the, the family's outcome throughout history was not good. It was serious smear campaigns, um, erasing them, even to in, and as we would read history over the next few decades, we noticed how much history books kept changing. And our kids, our kids were very small and they would say to me, how can history books change? And I said, ah, maybe they're giving us a clue. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is what's been going on. The biggest thing that Neff presented to me, and we both sort of acknowledged this together, which was helpful for her as well, is that she told me, it's not what you think. Mm. And we are, we are running with you. We're running, like walking together. She showed me alignment. So she said, we're as alive as you are today. Now, this was very confusing for a uh, 3D mind. My mind was very 3D. <laughs> uh, so now I'm having to collapse time. So that took another couple of years. Rather than the <laughs> past, present, future, all yeah. time simultaneous. Yeah. Yeah. So what's interesting is they have been very gracious and allowed us space to absorb all this information and digest it. People say, uh, do you call them in? Uh, no, we don't do that anymore. They just present. They're just here with us. They walk with us. And uh, it's not this big deal either. Our family, uh, we consider our family quite normal. I mean, if then when you bring out all the information, we probably don't present as normal let me clarify a little bit because you know how I am and I'm going to um, we're going to start at the beginning so people can fully grasp this experience for you uh, because more and more souls I believe are actually doing this so just to be clear folks in Egyptian history her present husband Richard is the Egyptian pharaoh Akhenaten Elsa is an aspect of Nefertiti who also, I believe, became a pharaoh. And her present eight children are the same family, more or less, that belong to Nefertiti and Pharaoh. So I believe, you correct me if I'm wrong, is that this is the second incarnation that they have done with a strong mission, which I will have clarify towards the end what the mission actually is 
but it involves the opening awareness of consciousness so that you are participating as mutual soul aspects, okay, of Nefertiti, of Agnaughton, of that across, simultaneous, across different realms, different timelines of existence. And you're going to learn the fun about that and what that actually can do. So I hope that uh, clarified it for some. So Elsa, let's start at the beginning with you as a child, because all of us know, at least in the older generations, when we incarnated here, and especially in th third density, we all will lose our memory, our experiences, and most of our knowingness. So let's start at the beginning. And did you have some ink? Uh, like, how old were you when you had your first inkling of something related to being Nefertiti? The my father being Egyptian, um, I'm named after Alexandria, where he was born in Egypt. My father came out to Australia and uh, they lost all his luggage on the ship when he was in the docks in Sydney. So the cargo ships bringing over all his luggage and it all fell in the water. It's still there. <laughs> so he has nothing from his life except the bust of Nefertiti, which was in his brother's suitcase, which was in another section that they were bringing across so that was all that my father had from Egypt which we had in the house as a child and I would always ask mum who's up this lady I know her and mum said well you can't know her she's from Egypt from many years ago and I said I know her but uh, that was my first acknowledgement of Nefertiti but I my mother never told me it was Nefertiti Tedi, she just, I just worked this out later, later years. So was that, was that acknowledgement at a young age, like, a, you know, like a year and a half or teenager? 18 months, 18, 19 months. That picture in particular, uh, my grandfather, he was a jeweler in Egypt and that's why they lived there. So he's in the picture with his also Egyptian sister. So I've got two elders there with me in that picture, which is quite interesting, I feel. Uh, so that was my first acknowledgement of Neff. Um, oh, after on. that... Hold on, sweetie. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. So by the way, folks, that's her in her mother's lap and that's her baby sister in uh, her aunt's lap. So you're saying acknowledging when you were like 20 months of age or something, but what does acknowledging mean? Like what occurred to you? I'm, I'm Nefertiti or who's Nefertiti or what, what occurred for you? I know her. Ah, okay. Now that that's, this might seem like uh, nothing words for that era for back then. But when you say, I know someone, know, now, you, they, these are all the same words. Know, now, knowing, knowing is now present. So by a little girl saying to her mother, I know her, is might seem like nothing words, but uh, 
That's like a crowning to me. <laughs> and a quantum connection. Yes. Yes. Because in the knowing, you're acknowledging and it will arrive. It's a present. It's yeah. now. Because it's all the same origin meaning, that word, knowing, knowing, now. And so it will, as I speak more about the journey, you'll understand how important those words were. So um, now we're going through just uh, coming of age, I always call it. So around 12 or 13, I had visions of this hairstyle that I have now. It's just not something that crosses your field as a child. Like, why would you be having hairstyles flashed into your visions all the time? No Didn't face, understand. no facial, no features, face, just, just hair. Hairstyle. Yeah, the hairstyle. And your current, uh, your previous hair color was what? Well, my hair's always been long blonde hair. I didn't really. I had a fringe for a little while, but not uh, most of my life was long blonde hair with no fringe. Wasn't until the fourth child uh, I had postnatal depression, which uh, was about 10 days after his birth of Jet, the second son. And um, Richard didn't know how to snap me out of it. We we're into two days of this postnatal depression. So he colored my hair. The reason that um, postnatal depression kicked on was I was on a photo shoot and a makeup artist told me that I looked haggard. And uh, my hair was, I, she was correct in what she said. She just probably, I was hormonal <laughs> and it just, it triggered, triggered me. I stopped talking for two days, stopped breastfeeding. You know, I have four children and I was a working photographer, which is like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So he colored my hair and cut this fringe. So this hairstyle that I have today is not anything that I chose. It was given to me as a healing <laughs> from my husband. Which is rather interesting. So you're saying Richard suggested your hair? He didn't even, I was like a zombie staring for two days. It was quite scary for him. And I won't go to hospital and I won't see a doctor or a psychiatrist. And he knows that. He knew that that would cause more problems. So he went and bought hair color, came home, colored my hair in zombie state and cut my fringe. Who does that? <laughs> Who does that? Someone who has inner knowingness does that. Mm. Folks, as you know, she's a professional photographer, very high end with met a lot of people, both she and Richard. And so you were going to shoot and the makeup person there said, oh, you look really haggard. What's wrong with you, of course. And you were pregnant dealing or, or dealing with a lot of stuff. And th did that, then it triggered you into a trance state? So I was on the shoot and I would wear the babies. That's, I would wear the children in a sling and uh, I would actually be shooting and, and breastfeeding, which, you know, most people would find that quite horrific or, or disturbing, but I would have completely covered. I'd have a blanket over, but I would be shooting and breastfeeding at the same time. And the babies were just at peace on me. And the models or celebrities or whoever we were shooting would say, what's that noise? I said, oh, the baby's feeding. And they go, you're feeding while we're shooting. And I said, I know that they're at peace. 
so I'm at peace so I can continue shooting. Do you want to continue shooting? Are you at peace with this? And they would say, wow, I've never... And I said, look, neither have I, so <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so that's what happened. So on, uh, I probably went, I, probably my error was that I went back to work. I shouldn't have gone back as soon as I did that day in particular. But it was an important client and, you know, there's no randoms. This is, was meant to happen for this unfolding. So... She said this to me, I get in the car, it, takes, we took, it took two hours through traffic to get home. By the time I had got home, I was in complete trance. Richard was in the car with me. He would drive me all the way to work every day with the children. He would take the children out to parks in Sydney while I was shooting and he would come back with the babies while I needed to breastfeed. It was very so an amazing. So you were in a trance, but you were still going to work still going through all the motions down here no uh so i went to that shoot uh -huh. she said those words i got in the car and it triggered in me postnatal depression and pretty much for two days i really don't remember anything that happened in those two days uh i don't i wouldn't have gone to a job richard wouldn't have been able to take okay. me to a job okay. i wasn't eating personally either as well as hydrating I, everything stopped bathroom everything <laughs> so this is a big concern for Richard because this is like almost like a a dying process I've just turned off being anything a mum and Elsa <laughs> Do you have any sense of what that was about did you just were you had you left your body and just left enough here do you have any sense now what that moment was about it's interesting speaking with you about it because I probably haven't gone into depths like this with anyone else. And uh, the more I uh, moment collect with this moment, it, it, there is no randoms. Hmm. Okay. So there is no errors. <laughs> You know, the mother guilt about me going back too soon just dissolved in the words that I spoke with you. Yes. So thank you. So thank you. <laughs> thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm I know. Grateful. Complete self-forgiveness is absolute key. Absolute key here. So um, that's an amazing experience because you just had one kid after another. And if I have this right, you, when you and Richard met, uh, you weren't planning on having any kids particularly, were you? Wasn't your no, conscious no, no, no. thing, was it? We were, well, we were both on, we would meet at transit airports. We were traveling so much, Richard and I. Um, if you asked me back then what we were going to do with kids, I was, I was planning on putting them in boarding schools. Like I had <laughs> no intention of having child or carrying children or I'd never held a baby or... So for us to go home birth and all this stuff was like eight kids whoa. back eight, to I, back. I, I back did to have... back. You have them wrapped around you and working full time. I mean, that's yeah. enough to put anyone in trance. Yeah. <laughs> well, we did have, I did have a, um, a, when I shifted from Melbourne to Brisbane, I was 17, a makeup artist took me to a, uh, 
because I was very young photographer shooting. A makeup artist took me to uh, a, a card reading, a psychic. And she said, uh, she actually said thank you to me for being in the presence of me because the, the opening of my third eye that's coming uh, will lift others. I just looked at her and went, third eye? I only have two eyes. What's wrong with this lady? <laughs> and she told me, you're going to have multiple births. And I went, well, I want my money back because she has no idea what she's telling me about this lady. And I came out and the makeup artist said to me, so what do you think? And I said, she's off. She's way off course, this lady. Little did I know. Little did you know. Yeah. Wow. So. Okay. So it just shows you what happens when there's soul agreements for kids to incarnate. <laughs> They're going to yeah. come through no matter what, right? <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now you had also mentioned to me, now this is, we're kind of going through your awakening process, different things that have happened. And I remembered you mentioned that you had something big happen on June 20th, 2001. It was like an uh -huh. eclipse and solstice or something. Something happened there. So what, what was that about? So uh, I had a small white dog and uh, his name was Max and he used to come to all the photo shoots with me and he was just a white fluffy Maltese terrier and he helped me understand unconditional love. Mm -hmm. he, was my, he was my little buddy. He would fly everywhere with me on shoots. Everybody knew him and it took Richard and him a while to bond that they became best friends as well. So when I was on a trip, Richard would look after Max. Max, we ended up getting uh, Richard a dog, a Weimarana, who almost became like his second wife, I have to say. <laughs> she would sit in the car seat and I'd have to ask her, you know, I'm the wife, you get in the back. <laughs> so it was quite, <laughs> it was quite funny. Her name, was a, her name was Bella. And we would always, on our days off, take them for a run around the kangaroo park of course. Needless to say, she lives in Australia, folks. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. This kangaroo park is where we got married. Very interesting location. This uh, kangaroo park also was a nunnery for nuns that had sinned. <laughs> it's also a psychiatric hospital and near a jail. Very interesting, all these locations. You know, we would go to this location. We got married there. It was beautiful. It's on the lake. Uh, the Richard and I, we were, you know, fooling around and uh, we we're coming back home after, you know, having a romantic afternoon together with the dogs. <laughs> and for some reason, Max ran under the car wheel. Now, this is the day he, he, crossed paths the day that we conceived Gemma. Oh. So it's like he, it was like he helped her come in. Yeah. Now to conceive, which I learned later, uh, you need to lie flat a lot to conceive. 
you need to be uh, horizontal. I was very sad for a week. I just cried and cried and cried. And he helped me conceive Gemma because otherwise I was a busy working woman. I know that uh, I probably wouldn't have conceived. So you got to make sure the sperm get all the way up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I was so sad. Richard wouldn't leave me alone. He uh, kept encouraging me to come out. I, I stopped all my horse shows and he said, I want you to come to this location with me. We're going to, uh, it's a new location. And uh, we got, they, he rode a trials bike. A trials bike is one of those bikes. It's a performance sports bike that has no seat, looks like a horse with a back. And they just uh, compress the motor and jump. It's actually really weird to watch because you, you look at it and it's physically impossible in your mind how big they, they jump from the ground to the roof. Just from, well, this is what wow. Richard did. Yeah. Well, so folks, um, in the second first show, we talked about Richard being a pretty much professional champion in motocross with motorcycles and things like that. So he was very talented that way. So keep going. Yeah. So it was a private property that we went to in Gosford in in uh, just up north from Sydney. And it's on the east coast of Australia and we went there, it's a private location, no one knew about it and it was only a handful of bike riders that were allowed to go there. So I think I counted probably five of us So, and we would go there, we would take the dogs, I would go for a bushwalk and Richard would ride with these friends and I would go and smell flowers and look at the rocks. At this location there are huge boulders, like marbles. You feel like you're in Alice in Wonderland. They're bigger than the house and they have in carvings in them. So I would sit on these boulders with the dogs and run my hands over them. We went, the first time we went there was on that date that you said, June, and that was a total eclipse. And that was a solstice. What's interesting is that I did not realize that date was important date until now. The reason I remember that date is I always remember the date that the dog passed. Mm. Wasn't until uh, we shifted to Byron Bay, so where this location I'm talking about was, we shifted another six hour drive up north to Byron Bay and now we live on a farm. And we were at a property and they told me that the answers will be in the rocks as I was gardening. They meaning Nefertiti, guides, higher self. Neff. Neff. Okay. The answers will be in the rocks. So hold on a sec. At this point, you're having continual communication with Neff or she pops in. Yeah, I've probably, I've just jumped a little bit. It's hard with Neff because we go back, forth, yes. back, forth. And there's no time. So, That's fine. Yeah. So, uh, so the the answers will present in the rocks was probably uh, 2013, 2014. So I've been talking to Neff for a while. It was still not sound in the family, as in they hadn't fully accepted this yet. 
so answers are in the rocks. I had no idea what she meant. And then I came across a website called Forgotten Origin. And this gentleman studies the Gosford glyphs. He said there's a secret location that they've just discovered in 2009. And this location is called the beginning place. So I looked it up. It's that bike place. <laughs> it's been closed off now. There's no private access or public access to this location. It's still not marked on any maps. We know it, but not many people would know this location. It's called the beginning place. So we were there from 2001 to 2006. 2009, they shut it down. I would put my hands over all the markings and Richard would come back from riding and he was all sweaty and he'd tell me he did the best jump or something. And, <laughs> you know, I, over six, over those six years, we had had one, we had, uh, we had four children in those six years. Yeah. Yeah. We were busy. <laughs> uh, and so was this like a sanctuary you would go to? It's a private like, did property. Did compel you to go? there well uh i stopped horse competitions because i was so large all the time and couldn't sit properly on a horse anymore uh meaning pregnant not large. Uh, yeah pregnant <laughs> breastfeeding pregnant breastfeeding that was my you know but i so i would I, it was somewhere i could take the children and show them seeds and walk with them and fresh air and tire them out so that we could come home tired and all rest. So it was also a way of, uh, like we would go all day there walking while Richard was riding and, and I could show them. So I was, I was teaching them all about the flowers and different bugs and snakes and spiders and, and, and the rocks. I showed them the rocks and uh, Richard would come back from his ride and they would say, how come, how come these ones look like spaceships? How come these look like this? How come? But we didn't, we didn't think anything of it. We were just like, we were appreciating where we were. We were respecting the grounds where we were. And we were enjoying the way we were. So we were in a high vibrating state. We didn't know where we were until 2013 and we heard Neff say that answers are in the rocks. We find this website. They tell us there's hieroglyphs in Gosford. It's very interesting for us. <laughs> you just, I, I would say to Richard every time information presents like this, I would look over at him at his computer and say to him, you just can't make this up. And he looks at me and he's been saying it for years. It's all part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. I gave it just when you think, just when you think you've got the whole show sorted, along comes this whole new piece of information or a, a gift, a present. You know, one thing I want to add here, though, is you did say, see, the interesting thing is I think Richard knew a lot more than he let on. 
And he's he's always been aware. I mean, to me, I was only aware that this is a game or a show consciously last maybe 35 years and fully understanding. I have a feeling he, he always had that. And one of the giveaways of that is that you mentioned how he hunted you down. Yeah. Right? And so you're talking, you know, really you know, buff guy, athletic, go for it person. And all of a sudden you said he's told to find you. Yes. Okay. So that's pretty okay. early on. Okay. So we'll zoom back now. Yeah. We're going to, yeah, I love this because <laughs> now we're working <laughs> our networks. So this gets me excited. So we're zooming back to 1997, just 1996, Richard had a wife, very short time. Her name was called Ilsa. Uh, and yours they is were Elsa. <laughs> really? Because I, I have never met an Elsa personally eye to eye. So, <laughs> uh, so Ilsa. They were short, married for a short time uh, and it didn't work. It was very short and ended as quickly as it began. And that was it. They never, they divorced. Uh, they lived in only America or in New York or the UK because Richard had homes everywhere. And so he packed up and came home to Australia. He said, I've had enough over there for a while. I'm going to come home and regroup. <laughs> Regroup, he did. He started his own group. <laughs> uh, so he comes to Australia. Now, Richard would, I, you know, Richard was around a lot of supermodels and celebrities. So he would date amazing women. Like, yes. yeah, when he tells, he goes, oh, yeah, I used to date her. Like, someone will be on TV. I used to date her. <laughs> Like, well, as, uh, a, okay. as an aspect of a pharaoh, I'm sure he could get pretty much anyone he <laughs> And he wasn't, you know, he was a very well-known photographer there. And so it's understandable. He comes home and has to meet me, who's a photographer, which is quite interesting being around models because I would never date models. It's different for men and female and females are always different. Very visual. But one of my rules with the children was, uh, especially with our girls, is that you're not allowed to date a male model. <laughs> that was one of the rules I said to the children. Uh, they always used to laugh and I said, you're not allowed to date male models. And they said, why? And I said, because they'll look in the mirror more than you do. And they thought that was very funny. So, uh, but for men, it was different. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but for him to meet a photographer, so now he's wanting to meet someone he doesn't know, who he's hearing nice things about from other people, who's on par. But we still don't know who was telling him why he got that, why he got your name, right? Have you found out details about that from him? This is where it gets interesting is because Richard has been connected from such a young age, I always ask him, who are you talking to? Because he will walk around talking and the kids say, who's he talking to? And I said, everyone, uh, everyone. But yeah, but which, which everyone? I say everyone. 
Okay. Ah, uh, so he walks around, but it's it's some it definitely is something to do with the sun. Yes. And he is very. He will lie in the sun maybe two or three times a day, and it's his thing. But not a big thing, and it's not this dramatic thing. He'll just go out, and he can lie in the sun, even if it isn't that sunny, and he'll go off. Literally, he feels like he goes off somewhere, collects data. <laughs> Yes, and comes back. It's actually really annoying as a wife because a lot of the time I'll be talking to him and I'm like, he's just left again. <laughs> so <laughs> I know I've brought that up before, but it is annoying. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, okay. we, have to, we have to bring all this into uh, our life as well. So we've got all this going on, but it, how it affects you while you're having a conversation with him. Well, now I know. Well, you know, okay, so that's what I wanted you to remind the people from part one is that this is a man. And again, we want to honor his uh, willingness to have you bring forward some of this and uh, his own private life. But this is a man who was pretty much in touch probably for a long time and who works through the, the sun portal. And so that makes sense. It also makes sense why he didn't give you a hard time because you've got now a husband and wife walking through the house talking yeah. to everybody, which would, if it was a more normal shutdown person, they would have put you in the house, right? So he's doing yeah. his talking, you're doing your Neff talking, right? Yeah. Well, it, before Neff, before the, so Neff presented to me in 2012 where I just went, oh, that is Neff. So prior to that, I would be talking to leaves and plants and, and animals. So he would say, who are you talking to? And I said, oh, <laughs> the caterpillar. <laughs> he would go, at first when I, in the first six months of dating him, he said, that's ridiculous. And I said, really? It's ridiculous? Watch this. And so then we would have, so, so we'd be at traffic lights in the country and I'd put my head out the window and talk to cows and he'd go, can you just stop? <laughs> I said, this is no different than you walking around. Talk. It's just the same thing. It's just, and then he start. then I caught him talk. I started catching him talking to animals. So that go. was very funny. That was funny. <laughs> that is totally funny. And he had a little bit biased our hierarchy about yeah. beings could be intelligent and telepathic. So you showed him way to, way to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but that's interesting. So he always knew. And you also knew, you knew Neff at a very young age. And then this is your experiences unfolding now you and Neff are talking a fair amount, right? Yes. And so we met, go ahead. So Neff, Neff and I met in, so we had um, an EMF uh, explosion with the meter box. Our children were being quite ill. Uh, we met ETs and angels uh, energy that night. So we started to understand, was my first acknowledgement of ETs and angels and how they come through. So they come through water, they come through glass, they come through mist, they come through rain, come through electricals. So that was my acknowledgement. Uh, then it was about probably 14 days, two weeks. They love seven days and two weeks. I don't know what it is. The, the it's very the biblical. Seven. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so about two weeks after it, I was in the mirror doing my hair and uh, I said, why do, why, do, why do I have black hair? As soon as I said that, bang, Neff's bust comes up. And it was like where you see in those movies where they show you a flash of your whole life. Yes. Yeah, so that happened. And I was like, wow, so the bust, whose bust is it? I didn't actually know who the bust was of, so I had to go and Google search bust. Because I, I thought the bust was Cleopatra. I, you know, I didn't know anything yeah. about really yeah. Egypt. I mean, I knew what my father had told me about Egypt. He actually, the things he told me about Egypt, he said uh, were completely different to anything that I had read about Egypt. He would say how we used to run through around the pyramids. He'd say the mapping of the pyramids is connected to the stars. It was connect. It was common knowledge. There was nothing about pharaohs or who was this or who was that. He was more about how, who built them. That's what my yeah. dad was about. Well, now we know where you came through that ancestry. And I might add, you did say that the only surviving thing was a Nefertiti bus that he happened to own. Yeah. Okay. So that's the thread. Yeah. It's coming through. Seriously. Right? You just can't make this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So So the other the other point of is that is very interesting with all this is my father and my uncle who came out as immigrants to Australia uh, were encouraged to change their name because they didn't come out with their parents. Their parents were on another ship coming out. They were encouraged to change their name, so they changed their name to Hutton. Ooh. Not not her, it wasn't their original name, which was Hejekus. And uh, the word Hutton means uh, Heton or Hatan in Arabic means uh, whale. <laughs> it also wow. means hidden. Hutton means to hide. So until I met, married Richard, I've been hidden. Yes. Then I changed my name to Dylan. Yes. Now, naming in Egypt is huge. Naming in many cultures is a big deal. It's a very big deal. Um, with the Egyptians, uh, they would change their names at certain points of uh, ascension. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's a really important point. <laughs> that's a bleed through. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So these are the different occurrences or synchronicities that happened in the awakening of yeah. the full picture of knowing, right? Like, and, and you and I love putting little clues together all across. Yeah. So, so, oh my gosh. Okay. But you never really got to talk to your father about the intricacies of what he knew, right? I, I did as a young child and I did with my, uh, Egyptian uh, Yaya and Papu and but they would tell they wouldn't tell me what was in the history books or anything they would talk to me about what was happening in the Egypt in that time and um, politically yeah because yeah. it was a lot of turbulence they actually had to escape from Egypt that's why the family was separated so the two boys lived in New York and uh, the grandparents lived somewhere else for a while. 
because of the, tur the turbulence in Egypt. And having to be hidden. Yeah. Yeah. It I also wasn't hidden. safe back then for people to know who you are. Yeah. Quite frankly. You but know. Now we're coming forward to you know, yes. the 2000s. And so I'm scratching my head going, why does it have to be that family? Why does it have to be the one? Why does it have to be so obviously cringy? Why does it have to? Why, 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 why? And they're going, nice try, but you don't really have a choice in this. But you have your own free will. So now this is becoming weird. So free will and soul agreements. But if I have a will and a soul agreement, can I override that? And... Uh, this has been an interesting question because uh, I think, well, not think, I feel that you probably can override it. It's whether you want to override it. It's very, should, it's should very I share interesting. with you what I just recently learned about that? Yeah. <clears throat> so I learned that this is, well, not recently, but this is an experimental reality we're playing out working on healing and opportunities that are exceptionally challenging in the illusion of limitation. Now, <clears throat> this is called a free will experiment. However, it's a seed planet and it free, this level of free will means anything goes, pretty much anything goes, which is not true in other universes. So when I asked and I said, is literally everyone on this planet, including all the prisoners, 20% here that are prisoners that no one else wanted, you know, psychopaths, blah, 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 blah. Is every single person given their free will and said, yes. They said, yes. The next question was, well, um, were they told that it would be a good idea to come? for this and this and this reason. They said, yes. <laughs> okay, these are the loopholes, everyone, that you gotta learn. Okay, so they said, yes. And that was done by showing them and of course, allowing them to see their lifetimes. And in some cases, they themselves saw that what they had been through, they wanted to recorrect, shift, change, whatever. I won't even put it as negative karma. This person was talking to it as, as like a game of negative, positive karma, whatever. So they did agree after that. And what I learned about seed experimental planets, like the experimental one we're in, is those are the opportunities to do the experiments in for people who, for people who have a lot of negative karma who want to come in and be bad, try to get better for those to are coming and trying different things. So that's kind of an answer to your question. Cause if I hadn't asked that second one, was anyone advised or told or recommended it would be a good idea? And they said, yes. <laughs> okay. They weren't going to admit to that at the first. <laughs> All right. So, um, but it is free will and it is based, this experience based on compliance. So everyone that's here did agree, but I have a feeling a lot were kicking and screaming. <laughs> yes. 
what I'll say about that. Do you have a sense of why you chose? Uh, the kids actually are probably more savvy with this is they, uh, they call it the blue light and they comment a lot. I think we spoke about this before and they said that they had a calling in from Richard's Oversoul group. Yes. So it was like a calling in, an invitation that you automatically accepted. Like it was like, not honour, but it was just, and so... Richard's soul group uh, called in these souls from everywhere, very all different realms, not not normal realm, not all the same realm, and to to realign again. It was about it was about aligning us again. But then what I find interesting was so is it aligning us again? Or is it aligning us at the same time? Because if we're running parallel, so is it really one calling? And again, I, you know, look, I seriously do not know all the terminology or the history of reincarnation. I do not know all that. All I know is what we've been experiencing. And I guess that's probably what's interesting about our family is I really it doesn't worry me if it's too much for someone or or not because we've been experiencing it and we've been experiencing it not on one level but on multiple levels for a long time so we've we're very complacent with it <laughs> yes well and again we're doing multiple you know our oversoul sends out multiple shards for maximum experience and different things so however when you we finish with this show people have much more understanding about <laughs> why so yeah. we don't want to give that away yet, yet but you were saying okay so richard even though he's in touch he's playing kind of like okay somewhat the normal person and he's saying to you uh when you're like talking to neff right he's he's saying to you um he's playing like the practical guy like you're going oh wow 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 isn't this cool and he's going prove it i know and this is so frustrating for me because <laughs> i have this this man as a husband because i'm a human being as well so i'm a wife and a mom and i've got this man that meditates and can go up and zoom off somewhere but if i'm talking about this that he he will he it, like he pulls it back down to here and he goes, you're flying away with the fairies. He wants to make sure you're grounded, honey. Yeah. Yeah. So he tests yeah. me big time. So he's he, like, yeah. you're marrying the realms. Oh. <laughs> you're marrying the realms just like you're marrying your spirit with your body, with your avatar, right? It's like it all requires kind of a balance. <laughs> oh. And you're like, it's so... I know how you feel. You're like, it's so stupid that I have to prove this stuff. But yeah. So so he's So who am I proving it for? He's yeah. he's adjusting my version of it. Yes. So that it's being able to present to others. Exactly. You're you've been and in training. Yeah. Because just... you've been in training. It's creators in training because most people couldn't even begin to grasp this. I'm I'm sure like didn't Neff tell you you can't talk about any of this till a certain period of time when this yes. raises? 
she well, sent she sent me uh in the beginning because i was uh naive to all this i was naive to to spirit talk in general and ghosts and ets so she took her time with me but i think it was also for her too because she was in disbelief that, of things that were happening for her with me with her so it, we took our time with each other one way she did communicate is she said that you can't speak about it now because they won't understand and then she also said uh, it's it will happen when everything's made to be broken and it was interesting because in our family appliances because it has quadruple usage compared to normal families our appliances if it's a two you know how there's like a two-year warranty on appliances and they just seem to break the day before the warranty ends well ours break at the three month mark because of the usage so we buy a brand new washing machine and it's broken in three months that's that's the first trimester <laughs> ah. so we would then get the next washing machine on warranty because we're in the time frame of two years so we just would so all the stores in our area know the Dillon family because we just return everything because everything breaks in the warranty phase so we're real oh, no. uh, wait, all the appliances wait a minute isn't a little bit about uh ginger your electric daughter yeah well that too uh, yes which we'll get to uh a little later when we get to her yeah. I'm sure she uh, has has caused a few of those yeah right? appliance things uh, well, not just ginger the the beings energy as well oh. uh, it, it fries a lot of the appliances or electrical bots oh, so yeah. we understand that now and, and computers uh, everything Most yeah they have meltdowns have contact with higher realms if they walk by they can't wear watches and if they walk by computer it can glitch it turn yeah. it off on yeah uh, my Mac, uh, my phone, iPhone doesn't hold time. How does that work? And we kept buying new iPhones and uh, just don't That's hold so time. It, it's, because <laughs> it's because your frequency is beyond time. Yeah. So and I totally words, get it. Right? Because you're like partially out of this hologram. synchronized with another holo another timeline mutual simultaneous reality so if you're out of the slight matrix or hologram the rules set up here aren't going to exactly work yeah right but i have, a, I have bring... a feeling you bleed through all the time uh, so but okay now bring it back to reality the kids are going what is wrong with you why can't you why why don't, why don't your phone work? We've just bought you a new phone. It's not working. Like, so we have all that going on in the family. The, the reality checks, I guess it is. It's literally a reality check. So you are doing this stuff and then you have to check back into reality and it doesn't marry up. It's there you go. Beautiful words you've used here because it's exactly what happens. It doesn't marry up. And what's interesting is that's part of the the dissolve the breaking apart of everything which is happening yeah. right now yeah it has to happen <clears throat> and we also need to create like excuses to bring in the more advanced everything that we already know is possible 
So all yeah. kinds of games are going on right now around that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So um, give us uh, some examples. So Richard was saying to, you know, prove, prove this or that. And he's playing kind of playing the hard, the hard level, even though I think underneath he knows better. I think he has a slight chuckle <laughs> glint in his eye. <laughs> Actually, that's okay. Now I'm going to, now you're really getting. So when I met Richard in 97, uh-huh. I, I used to play a bit of competition tennis and so did he. And he said, do you want to have a game of tennis? Because we lived across from a tennis court in Sydney. And so we did. And he, uh, he, he was like, how good were you at competition tennis? I said, I was, I was, I was okay. Anyway, uh, boy, did he let, he let me have it in the first few rounds and i was like he said don't get upset don't get upset and i was like i am not upset <laughs> so but i was anyway uh he had a bit of fun with me he served yeah. served me a ball and it hit my butt <laughs> and when the ball hit my butt it marked it hit me so hard it marked the tennis and that's it i threw my racket down and I marched out of the uh, tennis center and the owner there was like, wasn't it such a good game? I said, I'm not talking about it. <laughs> and Richard, Richard brought up my racket and he said, you know, you've damaged your racket. And I said, well, I won't be playing that game with you anymore. <laughs> and More I ways said, than what? Look at the mark you've put on my butt. You're, you're... So Richard plays hardball. And that's exactly or, what you just described. <laughs> he I was standing, and he kicked your <laughs> butt. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Because so I, I, he does, he plays hardball because he does like the, the proof. He wants the data. He loves tech. He's great with technical things. He needs He's very competitive. He's very, it's well, he's, he's a competitive a background. Yeah, it takes a lot to entertain himself. Yeah. <laughs> he wants to, so. and, and, and playing with mere mortals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I walked around for two or three days with a tennis ball mark in my butt. So I kept looking in the mirror going, see what you did? <laughs> You're like, do so, I still want to date this guy? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> As he's spreading his stuff off the court. Oh. <laughs> so, so um, that's a cute story. You may not like it, but it's a cute story. So you were continuing, let's get back to, you were continuing having hints and hints and hints with Nell, with Neff and um, communicating. Now the proof, some of the proof for the husband or the family was around mold. I want you to tell that story. Okay, so after we're talking around 2013, 2014, answers are in the rock. So now we learnt the beginning place. So we're starting now to go, wow, this is, uh, a, this is a setup. This is what we're realising at this stage of that, you know, destiny. unveiling. Of, yeah, uh, yeah, destiny. So we're starting to realise. So we, now we've got the bust of Nefertiti as a child. We have uh, where the children were conceived, the first four. Uh, then Richard kept saying, well, that's, this is, you know, you've been doing this for a few years now. 
how are you going to prove this to people? I said, but I don't need to prove it to who am I going to prove it to? This is just something that's going on in the family. Why do I need to prove it? He, he kept saying, how are you going to prove this to people? I said, I actually don't care. I don't need, I'm not talking to people about this. So why do I need to have proof? He said, well, why wouldn't you want to prove it to the children? I said, if they want to, if they choose to believe it, that's fine. If not, they, he said, and so he would constantly sort of hardball me about having proof. So uh, he said, you did listen to that lady years ago, Dolores Cannon. And she does hypnotherapy. Have you ever tried doing that or learning about that? And so I came across a YouTube channel, watched it for about 10 or 15 minutes of Brian Weiss, Reese, Weiss. Mm -hmm. W-E-I-S. And uh, he did regress back to the womb. I was like, oh, well, this is really interesting. So I went, okay, I'll do that. I can do that. So I went and did it. <laughs> Straight away I went and did it. So, and, so you self-hypnotized yourself using his YouTube, what was on the YouTube? Yeah, yeah. 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 A lot of people and are I, resourceful and do that, yeah. I, I didn't – I. In, in me, I just feel that everyone can do what I do, so I don't look at it as uh, different. But uh, people over years now have told me that they can't do it, and I'm like, oh, so now it is it is tricky for some. So I I do have understanding for that, but for me, it happens really quickly. So that's pretty much that's the reason why you have to prove it. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, so I watched Brian, this is how it happens. I watched Brian race. I went, oh, I could do that. So it's around, you know, 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. In, in Australia. I go out to the, the, where we lie in the sun and I go into a regress and I do it. Now I start regressing deliberately with Neff. Very different. Mm. Rather than us popping in on each other. Now this is a deliberate almost like a ceremony type behavior mm -hmm. i'm gonna it's a it's a very different feeling with neff uh when i when we have deliberate moments and uh this was a deliberate moment called in by richard because we've got to have the data for richard mm -hmm. uh, so now we start it's for the public it's not for richard it's not for richard because richard knows what what your future yeah. is i'm sure yeah, yeah. So, so now we, uh, I had from the previous home, which was a little farmhouse, had a lot of mold in it, lots of mold. And, uh, it was in the main bedroom where I slept and I had mold in my lungs. So I had mold in my lungs for about, I think two years, not a nice feeling at it's all. Deadly. Ugh. Yes. I didn't realize how deadly it was until I'd got rid of it. Black mold, uh, Ugh, one of the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when we left that home, the real estate agent was actually shocked that we lived there because usually you're, they condemn the house or it's quite severe. Uh, anyway, so we left. Uh, so I've got mold in my lungs. I go in, I do a regress with Neff. Uh, this is probably not the first regress now. So we've done a few. So I got better and better with her. She takes me into a tomb area. Mm. 
and uh it's it's very interesting because it's uh the it's not just we're just there she we walk together and we share moments together that are very warm and friend-like and are you in your astral body walking with her i see my feet and her feet yeah but that can be a higher rail i mean yeah so we're, we're literally i can we're walking together so you can describe all the Egyptian surrounding and everything. Yeah, we um I see with her the um the the guards uh they'll nod as we go past uh, uh hello, you know, respect. Um I see all the uh caretakers of the children, although like nannies you would say. Um I could hear all the different armor or because when you when you're in their realm things sound very different there's no chemical uh, no computer noises or uh, electronic noise it was just very different the noises so you knew you were in a different place you can feel the different heat in the stone coming up from my sandals yeah it's, it's very different so i i don't bring that up a lot in with about the regresses but it's very real like all the smells that's one of the smell. major things I wanted to ask you in this entire show because I've never heard you talk about it. The smells are just so sweet. I can smell sweet things. I can feel the heat of the sun there. Uh, I can hear jingling of all their jewelry. I can smell the uh, perfumes they've put in her hair. <laughs> uh, I can hear the echoing through uh where we're walking because everything was so grand as well and we take me to this dark chamber so this is not uh, a normal place to go to and uh very silent as well and we go in there and then i realize that it's a tomb and uh she speaks and they uh the one guiding us there gets the torch and takes the flame around the wall. And I see all the the blue baboons on the wall and I knew where I was then and it's Toot's tomb. So-called Toot's tomb, by the way. They uh, push the torch around the room and I see all the mould. Now, the mould was black on top of the... so. But we have a picture have to, here for you for the to, un, to understand this though uh, uh, there wasn't imperfections in them any imperfections were addressed quite quickly because of their royalty so Example, to have mold to oh. have mold is not acceptable basically that's what she's saying it's not acceptable and she, she went to go to the wall and um the 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 guard or whoever was holding the torch sort of almost blocked her and she got she just looked at him really strangely and uh he took a step back and i realized what had happened he uh he was like there to protect her touching the wall or something and she gave him the look he moved back and then she she got her hand and she wiped the mold off the wall and the mold went like black dust when she wiped it and then she turned her hand which was her hands beautiful and she showed me her hand or the mold 
like that. And then she wiped it on the guard's uh, cloth that he had on his front. Not in disrespect for him. It wasn't disrespectful for him, but she wasn't allowed to wipe it on herself. She wiped it on him. And, and uh, so her point, and by the way, you were saying her hands are beautiful. One of the things uh, that we'll get into, but put up your hands right now so people can see how long your um, fingers are. Yeah, they're very long. Yes, they're very, very, very Nefertiti, uh, unique species. Uh, species that you are so what continue with that so you're in this tomb the tomb belongs to who toot we call him toot are which we is um the first son okay so folks this is the famous tutankhamun hmm. who is a son of agnaton and nefertiti Okay, and so, we'll get, get into that more. So she's at a parallel son's tomb right now. Yes. Okay. She said something to show the her hand where she had wiped the mold. So you could see where her hand had wiped the mold and then the rest. And then she said something to him and then she uh, just ushed me out. It was time to go. So we left. And so I came back from the regress and... Richard said, how'd you go? Did you go anywhere today? What happened? You know. And I told him and he said, wow, well, that's different. The, the whole thing. He said, how do you feel? And I instantly got the same hand that she wiped with and put it here. And I went, I feel clean. He goes, what do you mean you feel clean? I said, I feel clean. There's no Look, I can take a big deep breath. So I'd take a big deep breath without coughing. And he's like, what do you mean you feel clean? I said, it's gone. All the mold in my lung has gone. And he said, so have you healed yourself in a regress? And I said, uh, possibly, yeah. So, so that now back then, this is what's interesting back then they were talking 2013 if you googled Neff and Akem they only had seven children mm. not eight if you googled back then uh Toots tomb there was no mold in the tomb back then there was no discovery of mold. like it just it's just so interesting how history has changed yeah so uh so we've had that so I go off, we do our farm tours, we do the things we're doing with the kids. And then, and then the kids say, you have to come and have a look at this. And this is the afternoon now of that day. You have to come and have a look at this. Mum, this is really freaky. Look what's in the news. And in the news is they've discovered mould in Toots tomb. I think we're talking less than four or five hours. They're going, this is really happening, isn't it? That, so this was starting now to register in the family that this is, and so they said, so how is this happening? I said, look, get, don't ask that question because <laughs> I don't know the answer and you will go around in circles, literally trying to work out the answers for that. Don't work out how it's happening. It is what it is. It is what it is. 
I look over at Richard and I said, so see now the kids have said proof. Is that enough? And he's like, we'll need more. Look at what he said. <laughs> we'll need more. Okay. So folks, our audience is very sophisticated. So what she's talking about is what has often been referred to as the butterfly effect or the Mandela effect. It means that we are all connected to multiple realms and timelines, et cetera. And when you do one thing in one realm, we'll just use the word realm, it changes. More importantly, it improves it in that realm and also your realm. So this is like interdimensional, inter-realm healing, which is a big thing, a big thing to realize from this. Would you say that's yeah. true? Yeah, true. just when I heard you say the word improve, the, 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 it's like an imprint. Yes. In both realms. It's very, that's really, oh, wow. I've never thought of it like that before. Thank you. <laughs> wow. And see, when, if people are astral traveling, uh, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're going physically or astral traveling, but if you're astral traveling, it feels physical when you're astral traveling. And so they bringing that back to this physical form right so that your frequency cannot help but be changed and we know healing can happen instantaneously now what's interesting to me just i don't know if this is connected at all but in chinese medicine okay so your lungs are being infected and obviously from the mold and that got cleared up as soon as that merging happened and the other realm got cleared up this realm got cleared up not to be missed folks <laughs> this connection okay so so, but what's interesting in Chinese medicine is that the lungs have what's called a kind of, this isn't the right word, but a positive side and a negative side. The positive side is discernment and the negative side is grief. Well, and it's toots tomb. And that's all I'll say about that. Yeah. So, yeah. It was, it was a big one. It was a big relief for me, not only a relief to be able to breathe clearly, because I had not realized for uh, these few years that how poor my breathing was. You sort of get used to it or you, adjust, you keep adjusting instead of addressing. So now I'm instantly feeling lifted and breathing with a clearness, which is uh it felt really good so i was having a great day i felt like i had more oxygen in me than i had had in me for a long time so the interesting part about all this is that the uh coming forward now and learning about the egyptians with the double doors and how they believed about death one of the biggest ceremonies they do is the opening of the mouth breath breath is very important so um it, it becomes more and more important as we become more knowing or knowing <laughs> and you go back and you go wow and wow speaking your truth speaking your truth but now also that the children are acknowledging it as well because they were the ones that found the information not me so that was that was really interesting for me the next one they said is that, well, the kids always said, so how does this work? Because they only had seven children. Yeah. And I said, so, so they say. 
supposedly. So they say. So they showed me that the second son was kept a secret. Now, what's interesting about the boys is uh, the first son is born on, in Australia on the winter solstice phase and the second son, Jet, is born on the summer solstice. I can't make this stuff up. I just can't. <laughs> so the second son was kept a secret. I don't understand the whole reasoning for a secret. He said he was kept a secret. So I went into a regress, another regress in this same time frame with Neff. And I brought up the second son and she, she showed, showed me, she went like this. I was like, oh. Uh, and I said to her, it's time. And she looked at me and shook like this because they don't believe in that word. Yes. She said, and she uh, took my hand with her. And so we start walking and passing all the different people through the areas of different chambers of the temple. And then uh, I hear like great echoing and lots of uh, swords, like a lot of military but not like they were moving, just more I could hear them in there in a, in a room. She opens up the room and instantly is stood in front of by guards and she does the look again. I love her look when she does the look, by the way. The look, get out of my way. Do you know who I am? So she looks, <laughs> she does the look. Now I can't see her eyes. I just know she's doing the look by how they're responding. Okay, but so, I don't want you to hold, I don't want you to do not lose a beat of this, but I don't understand why you can't see one's eyes because the eyes are the windows of the soul. But she is it never, because it's your eyes? I that I don't see her eyes and she never sees mine. And we've we just don't see each other's eyes. We see all see the other face? parts. Yeah, here I can see all the face, her head, but not the eyes. It's like how do the eyes eye show up? Is just lights? Yeah, Blank. yeah, like bright. It just it's it's almost like it's um, you know how you see those satellites and they don't want you to see something on the map, so they blur it out. Yeah, they whitewash <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, again, I don't question it because it Ooh, is what it is. Okay, that could so be. So we we walk we're walking in, and now I'm realizing that we're in the I, I call it the ceremony or judgment room, or performance room, or and it's got the thrones. There's like two thrones there, and it comes there with his advisors and. Um, the whole room goes quiet because she's walked in and they're not happy that she's in there. They are quite irritated, I feel. I felt really irritation from everyone, including Akem. And she walks over to him quite in a hurried manner. And again, like lots of people keep standing in front of her all the time and she's just like, get out of my way. She doesn't care anymore either. She's doing the same thing there. She just doesn't care what anyone thinks. She goes up to whisper into a chem's ear, which she gets stopped again. Anyway, he stands. 
this is like really dramatic, but it was really dramatic. He stands up and he turns to her and he's quite like, he's hardballing her now. And I'm going, I oh, know exactly how you feel. <laughs> no, exactly how you Meaning feel. Meaning because Richard thinking. does that in this realm. Yeah, all I'm thinking not. about is the tennis ball on my ass. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going, going exactly how she feels. She's going through the same thing. Anyway, she whispers something in his ear and he frowns at her. And then he kind of looks like that to see if he can see me. And uh, so he can't see me. That was my question. Is anybody else able to see you yet? He can't see me. So he's like looking at her going, I don't know. I'm going to believe this story. Anyway, she said she got quite, I heard her voice lift higher. Like, and then she, uh, like turned around really quickly. So she turned her back on him. Like that's apparently a big no-no. A which big no-no. Huge no-no. She turned her back on him. So her hair flicks at him. I saw all the beads flick out of him and I saw him pull back and I went, wow, what just happened there? And the, I, you know, it's funny because it just felt like such a moment that I have with Richard. Sorry. Yeah, it's so human. It's human. I mean, right? just because you're dealing with pharaohs and stuff, it doesn't mean no. you have all the same issues, if not more, you know? Yeah, and so then we walked out in a hurry and uh, she, she shut the doors, not the, the guards. So she's upset. Yes, she was upset. And uh, so uh, that was that session. I came out of that a little confused because I didn't really understand what was going on. But I actually found it kind of entertaining. It was like watching a, a sitcom of my own life in another era. <laughs> so it was quite funny. So then again, another regress. So uh, there's two more regresses that relate to this uh, story. So uh, we have another regress and I go in and um, you asked if anyone else can see me and still at this point no one can. So uh, I come in and Kem and Neff are in their chambers or some chambers, whether it's their own or not, but it's private chambers. Someone comes in to offer them a drink or food and they shoo them out as if like get out. So I come in and I'm like orbing around them and she knew that I was there and she told him I was there again. She's like that other beings here. So I'm orbing around them, orbing around them and uh, um, in your orb body, whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is, souls, a light, like I'm waiting. Um, like waiting. I didn't realize why I was even there because I felt that it was a private moment for them. But I, I, I don't question, so I'm there. Okay. I start to hear noises in the staircase below coming up. And they weren't, uh, they weren't moving as they heard it. So I'm going, okay, so I'm hearing things they can't hear now. So I leave the room, go through the door without it opening. Go down the stair, like go down the hallway, go down the staircase, and there's a lot of military coming up the staircase. And it was ten or fifteen men, maybe, with armor. They were assassins. 
they've come up and I could feel them. So I zoom back, so I'm very fast, <laughs> zoom back to them and start spinning fast and telling her, warning her, warning her, warning her, warning her, nothing, nothing from, they're not, she's registering and she's getting hyped. I can feel her heartbeat getting intense. She's telling him that he's not, he's uh, still in denial maybe of the situation. So I go, I, I got really mad, not at him, just mad at the whole situation and frustrated, so frustrated. Take off down the hallway, go down and um, start trying to stop these men coming. They wouldn't stop. They would not stop. They would not stop. I don't know what happened, but I got really, really mad and exploded like a, a nuclear bomb in front of them like a huge solar flare. I felt my whole body shoot like light, the whole room like completely blinding them and the force of it was like a nuclear bomb pushing them down. A few of them were concussed. Some of them got stabbed from their own swords and no one was killed but, um, a, but a huge roar. So I made a noise in their realm. The reason I know that they heard the roar is because they were holding their ears. So now they're blinded by the light and holding their ears. So now I have made a physical appearance. So, so I'm laughing because is that like that was me making a physical appearance and the noise. And then I was standing there in shock and disbelief for what I've done. These men are unconscious. Some of them are unconscious. Some of them are escaping down the staircase because it, it was a big noise. And I turn around and there is uh, Neff and Akem looking at me and she's smiling at me. <laughs> He's seen me. Did he see you? He's seen me or seen something. He's seen that I'm a, a presence. Well, he saw she's, the results. <laughs> she's not crazy. His wife's not crazy now. So now he's having acknowledgement of a being present. So whatever being I you know because i'm not him i don't know what he saw but he definitely saw that next regress we uh have a regress and i i say to her the second son and she said and she showed me and she takes me and all the girls are being beautified by all the all the perfumes and the flowers they were getting dressed up there was lots of excitement. I could hear lots of townspeople getting ready, lots of getting ready. It was the second son ceremony where they presented the second son to the people. And they asked, they, they invited me. I, I was with them on the ceremony. It was amazing. So amazing. It felt like I was there for... 48 hours or something it was just celebration it was people through the street it was the coming out of the second sun you know you know why that's weird <laughs> okay this is so profound <laughs> what you were sharing is so profound on multiple levels which you're aware of super multiple levels yeah Wow. I know. <laughs> uh, 
So then come back to reality, <laughs> do my farm chores, have fun with the kids, go riding. The next morning out in the news comes up with that they possibly have connection that they might have two sons. Now what's interesting is where we were living is the house was called Sedona. Tucson, Sedona. We've also had our car break down at Tucson's. Just, uh, <laughs> uh, there's not just one thing that happens. It, there's multiple things, and it is. It's over. It, you know, if you have no connection to all this, and you haven't digested it, and haven't built it up, and then this lady comes along and spills all this information to you, it is completely overwhelming. But please, as I'm telling this story. I have had many moments to digest all this. It is overwhelming for us as well. I still have to get up in the morning. I still have to buy groceries. We still have phone bills and you know, this is still, this is overwhelming to us, but we've had moments, many moments to, uh, to adjust to all the information. <laughs>